God. If you feel that way, if you're glad about it, why don't you give God some praise? Hallelujah. Come on, let's take a few moments and just give God a great praise. You might clap your hands. You might leap for joy. But you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the difference. Thank you for the change. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody shout, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I love that song. What a difference he made in my life. It doesn't stop with the difference. Amen. I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. You know, there might be some folks that aren't so glad about it, but I want to tell you, you're in the minority here tonight because there's a lot of us that are real glad. <laughs> if you're part of the majority, you ought to give God great praise. Thank you, Jesus. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated in the house of the Lord. Man, it is so good to be in the presence of God with God's people. Amen. Glad to be uh, back home. Amen. This weekend we were blessed uh, by the invitation of Pastor Sam Silva, who has blessed our church uh, in abundant ways through his ministry and also uh, most of our marketing materials. He does a lot of that for us, and uh, he's one of one of our best friends. Him and his family. And uh, this weekend, they celebrated five years since they started the church in San Leandro, California. Amen. And, uh, that, you know, for those of us in Nevada, that may not make a whole lot of sense, but that's in the dead center of the Bay Area. They started in their garage, and, uh, and that they started it just a couple years before 2020, and they had church in their garage. And this Sunday, we were able to uh, preach for them and and uh, they had over 50 people in church. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. And so, ARC, we, are, we, are, uh, we have invested there as well and, and uh, been a blessing to them in every way that we can. And so we are making a difference both globally and locally. Amen. Our mission is our neighborhood, but it's also the western side of the United States and all around the world. And so we want to continue Amen, to pray for them and lift them up in prayer. Uh, but I was also tremendously blessed uh, by the ministry of Brother Puller, who preached again in the Holy Ghost on Sunday. How many enjoyed that? Amen. I'm thankful for that. I, I, I tuned in. I thought, man, this guy's got to miss it at one of these times. But he's just, he's just a marksman for the Lord. And so thankful for his ministry and and uh, looking forward to the time that we can have them back in Jesus' name. Uh, I also want to say it's good to have Elder and Sister Bobo in the house of the Lord. And to have their son Matt in the house of the Lord. Amen. We love them and God bless them in Jesus' name. Let's get to the word of the Lord, the book of Genesis chapter 6. Man, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 14. I'm sorry, verse 13. I feel like going to verse 11. How about that? Praise God. 
Sometimes I'm torn between reading too many verses, but if I don't teach well, at least you got the Bible. Amen. Verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Man, the entire world was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. All flesh. Every single person had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. There is a proclamation of judgment. Judgment is coming. Amen. And this is where Noah received the grace. Amen. Noah received grace. This is what grace began to teach him. Verse number 14, because of the judgment that's coming, there are some things you're going to have to do. He said, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and pitch it without. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. The door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with the lower and the second and the third stories thou shalt make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. Everything in the earth, there's a proclamation of judgment that's coming. It is going to die. But, amen, I thank God for some words that just stop the story. But with thee, I will establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring with thee into the ark to keep them alive with thee. And they shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind. Of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee, and to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee all the food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Amen. And I want to recap a little bit. Last week we talked uh, about the, the, the fact that the flood was coming. Amen. And that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That grace for Noah was instructions on exactly what to do to make it out of the impending judgment. But as is with grace then, it is so now. That grace does us no good without obedience. Amen. We can believe as far as a, uh, a mental ascent, an understanding. And we can say, I know that judgment is coming. 
But if we don't put feet to our faith and start doing something with it, amen, this is what James would talk about when he said faith without works is? Now, in Noah's case, it's literally dead. Amen. If Noah did not build the ark, he would have died. Amen. And if Noah would have built the ark any other way than what God had said, Noah and his family would have died. And I think this is so important for us to understand that God doesn't put details in his word for us to ignore them. Everything God ever said in his word was for us to take and for us to obey. Amen. In fact, Jesus was asked, what is the first of all the commandments? And he quoted Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That word hear, it doesn't just mean to have ears on your head. It means listen with the intent to obey. It is not enough for us to know the word of God. We must listen to the word of God with the intention that we are going to obey it. And Noah built the ark exactly. Amen. He did all that the Lord commanded him. Amen. And I think it's important for us to understand that obedience is required for salvation. But let me take it even further. Complete obedience is necessary. Now, also, you know, somebody put it best. They said delayed obedience is disobedience. If Noah would have said, all right, God, I'm going to build an ark, but I'm going to build it in about 150 years. He would have delayed his obedience and thus would have become disobedient. Amen. We as the children of God, we must not delay our obedience. It is important for us. I, I get it. We all have questions at time, and it's important to ask your questions. But when you ask questions, it's a little different than questioning. Questioning is, I don't really want any more information. I just think you're mean, and I don't like you. But to ask questions is, I'm seeking understanding. And Noah very well could have said, God, I want a little more information. Exactly how did you want to build this and, and uh, exactly what dimensions. And I don't think that would have been wrong. But if Noah would have questioned that God was going to bring rain, he would have not built the ark. And when the rain began to descend, he and his family would have died. Delayed obedience is disobedience. But let's talk about another type of obedience that doesn't save you. Everybody say partial obedience. You can't say, well, I obeyed part of it. You know, if Noah would have built half the boat, you know, hey, man, I'm halfway there. You know, that's how some people live for God. Well, I've obeyed some of it or most of it, so I'm good. I wouldn't want to go fishing on a half-built boat, let alone save my family with a half-built boat. There's some folks out there that just, they got a couple scraps of wood, and they're thinking it's good enough. And that is the lesson of partial obedience. It assumes that good is good enough. Or what I perceive as good is good enough. Imagine if Noah would have said, we don't really need to build this big barge, this, this massive thing. And, and we got some folks that have been out and viewed their best attempt at replicating the ark. It's massive. I've seen pictures of it. Imagine if he would have said, you know, that's a little too big. Let's build it a little smaller. Well, they would have had to kick the unicorn and the giraffe and the armadillo off the ark. Amen. They at least kicked one of them off. Praise God. And, uh, and it, would have been, it would have been too small, maybe even for their own family. Or it would have been, maybe I want to build it higher. Amen. I'm going somewhere with this. I want to build it taller than I build it uh, in, its, in its width. I, I'd rather just, you know, I want to make it look a little different. That thing would have capsized 
Amen. It would have been bad. It would have it would have killed them. Even if they'd got on the boat, it'd have killed them. Amen. God built it to such specific dimensions and out of specific wood. And he told them, told them exactly how to pitch it within, without, how many doors, how many windows, how many floors, how many stories. All of this was by divine design. And I want to tell you why God was so specific. God was looking to save Noah and his family. Amen. Let me just talk to the whole world that thinks God is mean. It is not God's will that any should perish. God is not looking for you to perish, but he wants you to come to repentance. And anytime God gives specifics, some people get, could say, well, God's being mean. He's marginalizing. And he's saying, well, this other group over here, when Jesus, you know, this is why some people hate Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is why the Jews have been hated since their inception. Because all the other nations of the world, they believed in a pantheon of God and a bunch of other deities. And they had no problem saying, we'll add Jehovah to that. But when the Jews showed up, they said, no, your God's not God. And when the Christians showed up and said, no, no, Jesus is not a way, Jesus is the way. They hated Christians as well. Why? Because we were now saying it's limited. There's only one window. There's only one door. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Well, preacher, oneness apostolics are a little, they're a little narrow-minded. You know, I know some folks that are a little too open-minded. Their brain fell out. <laughs> Amen. They stand for, they don't, they don't take a stand at all, so they fall for everything. Amen. They there's some people, well, I, I don't know if that, you know, that verse, it might be poetic when Jesus said, except a man's born again, he can't see or enter the kingdom of God. I think he was just meaning that, uh, you know, metaphorically, and I don't really think that's what Jesus, and people will take scriptures out of context, and they will, they will take entire pages out of the Bible and rip it. They are ripping out the details, and they're saying it doesn't matter. Imagine if Noah would have done that. His whole family would have died. But Noah wasn't delaying his obedience. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Noah moved with fear. He believed God so much that judgment was coming. He moved not with fear in the sense of he was looking up to heaven thinking God was going to whip him. No, he understood when God says it's going to happen, it is going to happen. Amen. It's kind of like when you... You know, there's some parents when they say, uh, I'm a count to three, and if I get to three, you're going to get a spanking. And they get to 333, and nothing's happened. No one understood. God ain't even going to wait till three. He's going to count to point zero one. If I don't get moving, amen, something's going to happen. Amen. And, and, and so Noah moved with fear, and he built an ark. And I love how the Bible says it, to the saving of his house. Amen. I want to tell you, Noah was not trying to save the world. He was trying to save his family. Amen. And you build a little differently when it's your house. There's some folks, amen, if you're working for something. Now, I think you ought to work your best, do all, all under the Lord. But I know some folks in their, in their business, they'll cut corners because it's for somebody else. And uh, nobody will ever know. But I want to tell you, when you're building something for yourself, especially something you're going to need for your salvation, you're going to build it right. And, and, and sometimes we get so caught up in the, the mission of saving the world or saving Carson City or saving our, our region 
that we miss out on the fact that we are saving ourselves. You know, every time I teach to you, I, I, the Bible says I am risking the greater condemnation. That, as Paul said, he said that while preaching and while teaching, that I might save those that hear me and myself. Do you know, every time I get up and teach or any man of God gets up behind the pulpit and teaches and preaches, you know who we're really saving? We're saving ourselves. Amen. And Paul said, lest I should become a castaway. I want to tell you, it's important for us to obey every detail in the Word of God. Amen. Because every detail in the Word of God is saving yourself. In fact, that's what Peter preached after he told him, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, save yourselves. Amen. From this untoward generation. Every time you obey the Scriptures, you are saving yourself. Man. And so Noah built it exactly how God wanted it built. Amen. And it is important for us to build it exactly how God has told us to build it. And out of the whole world, there were only eight people that were willing to get on the ark. I do not believe for one second that God limited it to eight people. That is not, that is not the way God works. God is not limiting it. Uh, and, and if we're not careful, people that believe that idea, they'll believe in uh, a non-biblical view of predestination, which is you're saved, you're lost, you're saved, you're lost, and there's nothing you can do about it. That is not in the Bible. That undermines the entire biblical principle of choice. There's some other religions and, and some that might even be denominations that would take scriptures out of context, like Revelations with 144,000, and they think only 144,000 are going to be able to make it to heaven. That's stupid, but... <laughs> I've had somebody knock on my door once and uh, a certain religion and try to tell me about the 144,000. And I asked them, well, man, how do I get to this 144,000? And they said, well, you got to know more than everybody else. You got to do more than anybody else. And I was only 16. I was tired. And I just started quoting scriptures. And I said, can you give me an answer to this? Can you give me an answer to that? Can you give me an answer to this? Can you give me an answer to that? And when they couldn't give me an answer, I said, why would you risk your chance in the 144,000 by knocking on my door? If it's about what you know and you can't give me an answer to one thing I quoted you, why would you? It's just preposterous, people taking that out of context. I believe God wanted to save the entire world. But if the world doesn't want it, he'll go for any family that will take it. I believe Jesus died to save the world. Amen. That's what the scripture bears out. He died to save the world. But if nobody else but one person would have accepted it, he still would have died. Amen. Thank God for the blood. If your family was the only family that got on the boat, he still would die for you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So they get on the boat, because, and Noah, Noah builds it exactly how God told him to build it. And now let's get him on the boat. Amen. Chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou... And all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Amen. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about this generation here in a little bit. Uh, and he gives them express understanding that of every clean beast you shall take to thee by sevens, the male and his female. And the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Verse 5, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Verse 6, and Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. 
Amen. And let's let's go down to verse 11. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were open, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And verse thirteen, in the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. Amen. They all got on the boat. I got a question for you. Who was saved? The ones that got on the boat. I want to tell you, if you want to know, well, preacher, how am I going to be saved? You got to get on the boat. Well, why isn't everybody else saved? They're not on the boat. And we could try to, well, we should just, we should just make the world the boat. Well, the world's flooding. We should make the bar the boat. The bar's flooding. And there's people that they, because they, they, they're just trying to actually uh, place people into heaven. They want to make uh, the entrance to heaven so, uh, they, basically they want to remove the entrance altogether and just say, well, everybody's saved. And, and, and thus making heaven non-existent. And that's really what people are doing when they try to remove the requirements of salvation. They're saying everybody's saved. That's universalism. And it's to say that everybody's saved. They don't do nothing. And this is what the world believes whether they, have a th- they go to church or not. I'm saved based on the fact that I'm a good person. And now everybody's saved based on whatever their criteria is. But there has to be a criteria out there. There has to be. Amen. For Noah's salvation, there was a criteria. You have to build a boat to the dimensions I make it. There's one window, one door. And anybody that gets on the boat, when I tell them to get on the boat, they're going to be the ones that are saved. And, and let me just tell you this, that, that it is imperative that you and I don't try to change the boat to, to, to fix the world. Amen. I want to tell you the only salvation for the world was the ark. Everybody had to get in the ark. And we don't change the ark to appease the world. Amen. If we change the ark, we lose our own selves. We lose our own salvation. I don't change the doctrine just because uh, I meet somebody uh, that's a theologian. I don't change the doctrine just because I care about somebody. No, the greatest love and care you could ever do for somebody is share the truth with them. You, you know, you don't really love somebody if you don't tell them the truth. You, you know, well, I love everybody. No, you're, you are afraid of conflict. But if you really love them, you'll tell them, if you are not born again, you will not make it to heaven. I love you enough to tell you, you know, and I said last week, but, but if your house is on fire, like, at least knock on the door and tell them. At least do something. Amen. When you walk by somebody's life and you see them on fire, like, at least try to put them out. Amen. At least invite them to church. You see their marriage on fire, and you see their kids on fire, and you see, you see their whole world burning up. At least tell them. At le- I mean, the, the least you can do is, is point them to where the water is so they can put themselves out. <laughs> Amen. I, you know, Noah and, his eight, and, and, and the rest of the family got on, and I love how Hebrew said it. He was the, uh, he was, well, Peter says it. He was the eighth soul saved by water. He was the last one on the boat. I have no doubt he was holding the door open. I got a question for everybody. Who closed the door? God. God's the one that shuts the door, which just shows several things. Number one, we don't close the door on anybody. And number two, it still takes an act of God for salvation. 
it still takes an act of God for salvation. And everybody said amen. Okay, verse number 17. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went up upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly high, and the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and creeping thing, and every thing that creeps upon the earth and every man all in whose nostrils was the breath of life and was in the dry land died amen i want to just say this that everything that was not on the boat ceased i'm going to i'm going to come for somebody and help somebody here today this has got good news for you today everything outside of the boat was gone amen if you have your bibles first peter chapter 3 verse 20 Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Baptism saves you. It's not the putting away the filth of the flesh. You're not taking a bath. We don't give you any dove soap. But it's the answer of a good conscience towards God. If you just taking a shower saved you, then everybody here hopefully is saved. I hope so. <laughs> Praise God. But it is not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Baptism is the application of the blood of Jesus. Peter put it this way, that we are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission, the washing away of sins. Amen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now they're all on the boat. God shuts the door, and the waters begin to fall upon the earth. And it completely covers even the highest mountain. Everything is covered. Everything is, is completely underneath the water. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. I want to just tell everybody that when they got in the boat, when they got in the ark, amen, the waters begin to fall, and, and uh, there's many ideas on this. Amen. The Bible says the waters of the deep were broken up, and so there were obviously some waters the, some springs of water that God burst. And there's this idea that there, there was the firmament of the heaven, that this world was, and why people lived so long, and why uh, creatures grew so big, was it was a greenhouse effect. We don't have any Bible for this, but this is, uh, this is an assumption here. 
Uh, we do know that there was enough water in the atmosphere to cause a worldwide flood. So I think it's a pretty good assumption. And, and all of a sudden, God caused the windows of heaven, if, as it were, to open up. And all of the waters began to fall down. And as those waters began to fall down, amen, Noah and his family got into the boat. Amen. And everything that was not on the boat, the Bible says the waters prevailed. And the boat began to rise. Amen. And the boat began to go up. But everything else sunk below the surface. I can tell you about being baptized to be saved. I have. Baptism saves you. But let me tell you something beautiful about being baptized. All the old things are washed away. All the old you is washed away. Every past mistake, every sin, every failure. The boat is above the highest mountain. It's above, as it were, in modern terms, it's far above, miles above Mount Everest, floating on top of baptismal waters. And when you consider how low their sin was buried under that water, uh, amen, I want to tell you that the deepest submarine could never reach it. And when you get baptized in Jesus' name, your sins, uh, amen, are as far as the east are from the west. He takes your sins and he just throws it under the water. Amen. And all of it's passed away. And even if you wanted to get to it, you can't swim deep enough. And even if you tried hard enough, you can't get back to what you were. When you go through baptism, it washes it all away and the waters prevail in your life. I think we ought to give God praise here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, this is why it's important for everybody to be baptized. It washes it all away. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. The flood is the family got in the ark. Their ark was in there. The waters began to flow down. And the flood that destroyed the world saved Noah. The same waters that destroyed the world saved Noah and his family. I want to tell you, and we're going to talk about it here tonight. The same judgment that will judge the world saves us. The same thing that our world is dreading is the same thing we are hoping for. Praise God. Amen. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37, if you'll turn in your Bibles there. Matthew 24 and 37, Jesus speaking, But as, it, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Everybody was living life and just, in, just doing their thing. And that, notice this next word, until. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so also the coming of the Son of Man. Let's talk about this. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it come. 
in the com- and so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Noah, Genesis 6 and 5, the Bible says there is great wickedness in the world. We read about it a little bit today as well, that the entire world is full of violence, verse 11. Noah is a preacher of righteousness. He is preaching to a wicked generation. And there's a whole message there that no matter how dark the world gets, we need to let the light shine. Hallelujah. In fact, the darker it gets out there, the brighter the light of the Holy Ghost should be in us. Amen. The Bible, one prophet put it this way. He said, he said, don't let the fire grow dim. Don't, uh, don't let the gold lose its value. Don't, I want to just tell the church for a moment. Uh, don't, as the old song says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Uh, I'm not going to hide it underneath something else. I want to tell you, if there's ever been a day for us to let the light shine, it is in this hour. If there's ever been a day for you to be unapologetically apostolic, it's now. If there's ever been a time for you to live right, it's now. If there's ever been a time for you to come to church, it's now. If there's ever been a time for you to pray, it's now. If there's ever been a time for outreach, it's now. If there's ever been a time for you to reach your family, it is now. We got to preach it. We got to tell them because the dark. The dark night, is it's getting darker and darker and darker and darker. Noah and his family are saved. And then finally, the ungodly are punished by the flood. Let's talk about this. If you have your Bibles, first, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to talk about the last days. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to verse 1, actually, because I, I want to make sure we get the context here, and then we'll read on. Paul is writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Amen. I want to tell you, we're living in the last days. The Bible prophesied in, in, all the way back in Joel that in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The number one sign of the last days was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 2,000 years ago started. It was the inauguration of the last days because he started filling people with the Spirit. And some people say, well, he hasn't showed up for 2,000 years. We might get another 2,000 years. That's not good logic. Amen. I want to tell you, if there's anything that we should look at, we are the 11th hour church. Amen. This whole thing's about to wrap up, and, and, and we are closer than we've ever been to the coming of the Lord. And if there's ever been a day for the church to be ready, it is right now. Noah, you better do all the finishing touches on the ark and get your family ready and get the boat ready because at any moment the rain is going to come. Because as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. He says perilous times shall come. I want you to just forget you're reading the Bible for a moment and think you're reading the headlines. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Oh, man. iPhone, iMessage. Facebook, not your face, my face. Instagram, it's all about me, 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 me. Amen. Not to mention now, what is one of the number one conversations? You better use my pronouns. You better address me the way I want to be addressed. Talk to me the way I want to be. In fact, people are starting to lose their jobs over it here in America. Amen. Why? Because it doesn't matter what truth is. It doesn't matter what, what your perspective is. All that matters is me. 
and now the Bible even talks about that many shall be offended in the last days. Offenses are going to come. People are going to be easily offended. We're living in that world. They'll be lovers of their own selves. They'll be covetous. I want all this stuff. I want to take it to myself. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I want to tell you that we're living in the last days, and some people say, well, kids have always been disobedient, but it's not like it is now. Amen. There, there's, there is, there's a point now where, where it's just like there is no such thing as a parent. Amen. Now it's the, the, the kids are the parent. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despiser of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Amen. Verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. I want to tell you, church, we're living in perilous times. We're living in the last days. Things are not getting brighter in the world. Things, the world's getting more wicked. The world's becoming more abased. Uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to cause anybody any, any level of fear. Because, again, the, the, the rain that everybody feared Noah was looking for. Amen. I want to tell you, all these are just signs. We, we'll do an entire Bible study uh, later on as we talk about the signs of the end times. But I'm just going to give us a little bit. They're evil. They're seducers. There's people given over to all sorts of doctrines of devils. They don't want anybody to tell them what, what the truth is. They want to do what they think is best. Uh, it's follow your truth, not the truth. There's no such thing as your truth. Truth is truth. Truth is not subjective. Hallelujah. Amen, which means you can't choose what truth is. Truth is what truth is. One plus one is two, whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it or not. And this is the challenge of the modern of, of our modern world. Amen. There's all sorts of other things, and, and we could talk about. But let's just talk about what Jesus quoted. He says that in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. They are eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day. First and foremost, this means life will be going on as normal. I want to tell you, well, we're just looking only for these negative things to happen. Yes, we could talk about Jesus when he said there will be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places. There's going to be a lot of those things. But at the same time, life is going to seem like it's just continuing on for everybody else. This is why they will literally say in the Bible, where is the sign of his coming? In fact, uh, I, I don't necessarily think that in the end times that there's going to be, uh, now, now I know eventually it'll be like this, it's going to be all out chaos, but I, I do believe that there's going to come lulls and moments of time. I don't believe that it's going to all just be good and then all bad. I believe it's going to be like it has been since the beginning of time. Highs and lows. There's going to be wars and there's going to be peace. There's going to be highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows. And people are going to just think, well, this is how it's always been. And then the rain will fall. And then Jesus will show up. But let's talk about this. That people are going to just be living life. They will be preoccupied with life. They will be oblivious to the rain. They will be oblivious to the return of Jesus Christ. Think about this. Eating and drinking. That is normal. Everybody does that. Right? But I think it's going beyond even just that. Let's talk about overindulgence for a minute. And, you know, and, and, and I, I mean, we're all in this category because we live in the U.S. of A. Obesity is a leading cause of heart disease. 
And heart disease is the leading cause of death in America. And 30% of Americans are considered obese. Just giving some facts here. You know, they've, st they've done studies that Americans, just talking about America, we're not talking about the rest of the world, eat approximately 815 billion calories per day. That is approximately 200 billion more than necessary. Let's talk about overindulgence. That is enough calories to feed 80 million people. And did you know that's just what we eat? That's just what we consume. That's just what we indulge on. We throw out 200,000 200, tons of edible food every single day just in America. Eating and drinking. This speaks nothing about the overconsumption and indulgence of other things that are harder to articulate, like entertainment. The average American spends seven hours a day in front of a screen. Every single day. Talk about consumption. Amen. I want to tell you, our world, amen, if you think that, that every imagination of Noah's day was only evil continually and there wasn't some form of consumption and entertainment, you've lost your mind. I want to tell you, it, it, we, people want to teach that, that the whole world, they were just a bunch of Neanderthals and they were stupid. No, I want to tell you, they're, they're still finding technology that is buried under rock that they don't know how it got there. I want to tell you, as it was in the days of Noah, I, I just have to believe that this is not the first time, as Ecclesiastes say, there's nothing new under the sun. I believe in Noah's day, they, they had more information than we give them credit for. Amen. How else did Noah build such a big boat? They had to have some sort of machinery. They had to have some sort of way of doing that. Amen. And after a flood, you got to remember the whole world's starting over. Amen. They've got to figure out every bit of information. We go all the way back to Genesis. They were working with metal since the descendants of Cain. But somewhere along the lines, amen, that, that had to get buried under the water. They had to start all over. $660 billion a year in just America is being spent on the media and inter entertainment industry alone. Talk about consumption. Hallelujah. Let's talk about crime. Let's talk about wickedness. Let's just talk about what's going on. 16.5 violent crimes, amen, per thousand people are happening in America every single year. There are over 20,000 reported murders each year. We're not even talking about the ones we don't hear about. Let's talk about human trafficking for a moment. They estimate that there's approximately 50 million modern slaves worldwide. Well, they ended slavery back in, back in the Civil War. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They just made it illegal. <laughs> but I want to tell you, there's still 50. If you have an iPhone, you've got a slave working for you. Now, does that mean we don't own anything? Does that mean we don't do No, that's, that's unfortunately what our world has to deal with. I'm just talking to us about how the world was in Noah's day and how it is today. According to the U.S. Department of State website, they estimate that at any given time in 2021, there were approximately, now they're a lot more conservative on how they view it. There's approximately 27.6 million people in forced labor. Of these people, they estimate 17.3 million are exploited in the private sector. 6.3 million enforced commercial sex exploitation and 3.9 million of them enforced labor in 2021. We're not talking about 1901. Amen. Now, did you know this? Nevada ranks as the second for the state with the highest rates of human trafficking. Nevada, 
5.77 individuals per thousand. That is in our state alone. We're talking about consumption, the consumption of food, the consumption of drink, the consumption of entertainment, the consumption of people. Our world is getting wicked. The consumption of crime. Let's talk about this. They shall be marrying and giving in marriage. They say that the divorce rate is over 50% in America. That seems actually kind of low if you think about it. This is because it's not taking into, in, taking into consideration those that never get married. This lets us know several things. That the end time, they'll be marrying and giving in marriage. There will be a lot of consumption. There will be a lot of crime. That sounds a lot like our world today. Okay? But marrying and giving in marriage, that means several things. Number one, one of the topics of the end time is going to be marriage. The redefining of marriage that's been happening in the last 20 years. The redefining of marriage. And see, people thought that when they got up, they said, we just want to redefine marriage because we want to slip a paper, that it meant, well, we just want to be able to have a man marry a man, a woman marry a woman. No. What they were meaning was, we want to redefine marriage altogether. It's no longer. Forget genders for a minute because pretty soon genders aren't even going to exist. Amen. That's what they're pushing for now. But when we really consider it, they're, they're actually trying to say marriage is no longer a monogamous relationship at all. Amen. In fact, you can marry and then you can get divorced and you can marry again. Our world's doing that without slips of paper. They're just shacking up here, shacking up there, just going here, going there, this relationship, that relationship. Every celebrity, they get married two weeks later, they're divorced. Three weeks later, they're getting married again. Marrying and giving in marriage. Well, pastor, what does that mean? That means Jesus is coming back. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Listen, for everybody, that I, I try, to, try to talk and teach about a lot of things. And, man, I try to keep uh, a smile on my face. And, man, I, I really try to encourage you with the word of the Lord. But sometimes I need to tell you the truth of God's word. Judgment is coming. I, I'm telling you right now, church, let's never forget this. Judgment is coming for the entire world. It came in the form of rain in Noah's day, but it's coming in the form of fire. The world that was baptized in water is about to be baptized in fire. And you got saved by getting on a boat in Noah's day, but you get saved by getting in the church today. And if you think for one second that you can swim good enough in Noah's day, that's like saying I can be saved without being in the church today. I can be saved without obeying Scripture today. No, 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 no. you got to save yourself from this generation because Jesus is going to come back. I cannot sugarcoat this for anybody. Because people have started thinking the church is obsolete. This is why people don't even come to church half the time. Because they don't think church is essential. That's the whole, that was the whole thing of 2020. What's essential? And they, the, the government determined church is not essential. Because they didn't realize that they, because a lot of churches are not essential. They don't even believe in the essentiality of water baptism. They're not essential. They're just social clubs. So you're right. Those churches are not essential. But when you consider the true church, even the apostolic church, which is the only hope of salvation for this modern world, it is the only essential entity on the world. The only essential entity in Noah's day was that big boat. 
And the church is the only essential entity today. But there are people that they don't think it's essential. It does not matter. I don't need to be part of the church. I don't. And this is where people are being given over to doctrines of devils. And they are given over to loving themselves. And they are given over to seducing spirits. And they're being blown about by every wind of doctrine. And every Facebook post. And every Instagram post. And every tweet out there. And they just go by whatever the media says. Amen. I want to tell you, you got to get in the boat. you got to get in the church. You can't. We don't have time to play because as sure as the rain fell in Noah's day, Jesus is coming back in our day. Now, I know we got some good elders that their whole lives they've been saying Jesus is coming back. Am I telling the truth? Praise God. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Just because he hadn't come back yet doesn't mean that he's not coming back. He will return. And there will be mockers in the last days. When's he going to show up? And I don't believe that Jesus is just talking about the world. In fact, the world could care less. They don't believe Jesus is coming back. They're not even talking about it. There will be people in the church, and they will say, where's the sign of his coming? He ain't coming back. There are entire apostolic churches that have just gone astray, and they've gone away because it doesn't matter. He ain't coming back anyways. I want to tell you, that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. There are people that maybe never said it with their mouth, but they started living it with their life. And I, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Amen. We're, we're going we're gonna to get into covenant next week. We're going to talk about good things and happy things next week. But let's just talk about this for a moment. There are people that never say it with their mouth, but they live it with their lifestyle. They live like Jesus is never coming back. Uh, they don't pray. They don't go to church. They don't, they, don't, they don't read the word of God. They don't worship. They don't tell anybody about Jesus. you got to be careful, amen, that we don't live like God doesn't exist. Uh, that we don't fall in the trap of living like Jesus is never coming back. Let me just put it this way. I've got a 30-year plan. Amen. If Jesus doesn't come back, i got a 30-year plan. But if he wants to show up tonight, I'm cool with it. Amen. I, praise God. Split the skies. Let's get up out of here. Somebody put it best. They said you need, to, you need to plan like Jesus is never coming back, and you need to live like he's coming back tonight. Living like he's coming back tonight is Noah going over the ark, even though he's been finished maybe for two weeks, three weeks, and making sure everything's sealed up. I want to tell you, this is how you walk. The Bible says we are to save ourselves with fear and trembling. You know how you walk around your life and you start looking and inspecting and finding out, man, is there any hole? Is there any, is there any spot? Is there any wrinkle? Is there any part of me? If there be, hey, amen, David, put it best, search me, oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. We need to start looking around our lives. Amen, I'm not, I'm not freaking out, but I'm just being really observant, and I'm making sure. I'm not insecure about eternity, but I'm making sure. Amen, I want to make sure that I go around my life and go around my family and go around the church and make sure, amen, am I saying it right? Are we preaching it right? Are we living it right? 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16. And I'm, I'm done here. In fact, if you want to stand across the building. We'll talk about the rainbow and the fun stuff next week. Praise God. And we'll get into Babel. From all scriptural accounts, it looks like our generation will be living on the earth when Jesus returns. Some of you will not see death. I've said it before, but the coming of Jesus is not a threat to the church. It is a promise. 
Hallelujah. Some in this building will not see death. Jesus will, in fact, return. Amen. This, this, this Bible study is just simply intended to help us prepare for the most wonderful event in the history of mankind. Well, Pastor, you talked about a lot of negative things. It's negative to the world, but it's just a sign of the coming of Jesus for us. Jesus put it best. He said, when you see all these things, don't let your heart be troubled. Look up, lift up your eyes towards the hills from whence comes your help. He said, you look towards Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall. I want to just remind everybody, this is not a mythology. This is theology. This is not just a figment of our imagination. The dead in Christ shall rise. When? When the Lord himself shall descend. Amen. God not sending somebody else back. The Lord himself. He's coming back, and he ain't coming back quiet. He came in riding on a donkey to Jerusalem, but this time when he comes back, he's coming back on a white horse, amen, and on the side he's going to say holiness to the Lord. He's going to have his sword ready, amen, to judge the nations and to take his people up out of here. The Lord himself shall descend. Here's the best part. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together. Well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Okay, fine. You let, let's use a biblical word. The great catching away. The word rapture ain't in the Bible. You're right, you're right. The word rapture is not in the Bible. The great catching away. How you want to talk about it? Amen. Then those of us which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so... Shall we be with the Lord? So shall we ever be with the Lord. And I'm done here. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I want to I comfort everybody with these words. That in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, as, as sure as the rain fell in Noah's day and Noah for the first time seeing rain and everybody else for the first time seeing rain. Amen. They didn't know what to do. They started freaking out. They saw wars and rumors of wars. They saw wickedness. They saw perversion. And they didn't know what to do. Noah saw rain. And he looked up towards heaven. And he said, today's the day we're getting up out of here. And he got on the boat with his family. I want to tell you, the judgment for the world is the salvation of the church. And we which are alive and remain shall meet the Lord in the air. And we shall ever be present with the Lord. Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back and judgment will fall upon the earth. But salvation is coming to the church. I end this Bible study tonight with a simple question. Which group are you in? When I tell you Jesus is coming back, does it bring comfort to your mind?
or does it cause you to fear? I know what it is to have dreams about the rapture and wake up with tears streaming down my face and fear in my heart knowing I wasn't ready. There's people all across the building have the same story. But the more I live for God, the more I look for His glorious appearing. Paul said, I've, I've finished the course, finished my course, I've ran my race. He goes, there's laid up a crown of righteousness for me. He goes, and for all those that love His appearing. I want to tell you, if you love the idea and the concept that Jesus is coming back, you're part of the church. Hallelujah. Amen. You, you are comforted with the words. I want to tell you, thank God for the church. But if you are here today and you're saying, well, pastor, I don't know. And you talk about all these things that are happening in the world and how Jesus is going to come back and there's going to be judgment fall upon the world. I, I want to tell you, today's a perfect day to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. Come on, all across this building, there is an imminent return of Jesus Christ. He is coming, and we are going to meet him in the clouds. I know that sounds, to some people, well, that sounds crazy. You're right, it does. Amen, but I want to tell you what that is. That is, that is what everybody thought about Noah. They thought rain sounded crazy. They thought a flood sounded crazy. They thought a boat sounded crazy. Amen, and the return of Jesus sounds crazy to the world, but it is comfort to the church. I want us to come down to the front. Would you come down to the, to the altar and lift up your hands and begin to pray? If there's anything in your life that you need to get under, under Jesus and under the blood, I suggest you do it tonight. If there's any part of your life you need to shore up, any weaknesses you need to have God take care of, I want you to pray about it right now. Amen. But, but if, if you have just come and you are, you are waiting and awaiting the day of Jesus' return, I want you to be encouraged no matter how dark it gets out in the world, no matter what the media says, no matter what happens to your finances, no no matter what happens to your 401k, no matter what happens to your health, no matter whether you get sick, no matter if you got a disease in your body, there is coming a day soon and very soon that Jesus is going to split the clouds and we will ever be present with the Lord and he'll wipe away every tear from every eye and there's going to be no more sorrow and no more pain. I want to tell you that's exciting, church. That's exciting that Jesus is coming back. Somebody pray all across this building. Let's pray. I want you to find a place to begin to call on Jesus. Come on. He's coming. He's coming back. He's coming soon and very soon. Like a thief in the night, unexpectedly, he's coming. He could come back tonight. He could come back before your head lays down on the pillow. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Come on, he's not coming back for a lethargic church. He's not coming back for a backslidden church. He's coming for a church that loves his appearing, that's looking for his appearing, that's not focused on the world. They're focused on the heavens. They're not focused on the wars. They're not focused on the media. They're not focused on the news. They're focused on the return. Sickness is going to leave your body. Praise to the 
come back finding me working in the kingdom. I want him to come back and find me faithful. I want, I want Jesus to come back and find a church that's ready. Jesus, you keep living that life for God, ma'am. You keep bringing those kids to church, mama. You just keep doing it for because you know he's coming back. He's coming back. Let's, let's, let's lift up our hands and let's magnify the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. What was judgment to the world was salvation to Noah. And what is judgment to the world is a promise for the church. Woo, he's coming back, church. Jesus told multiple parables about the return. We could talk about all of them if we had time. But he talked about the kingdom of heaven. It's like a man that left some, some business in the hands of his people and they went into a far country. But he was going to come back. Every parable Jesus told about the kingdom of God and a master that went away, in every single story, he was coming back. And at the end of every story, he said, what would happen to the servants that were so doing as they were supposed to do and those that were not. He even tells us a story in a parable about there were ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. Now this is not talking about the world. It's talking about the church. We're the servants. We're, 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 the, we're the maidens of the Lord, if you will, according to the scripture. We're the children of God. Amen. We're the servants of the Lord. And he goes away and he puts things in our hands. And he says, now occupy until I come. That doesn't mean just hold on. Well, he's coming back, so I'm going to sit back and do nothing. No. It's Noah. I left a job for you before the rain. Build the boat. Church, I left a mission for you. Go reach the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, one day I'm coming back. And those five virgins that were wise, they made sure their lamps were trimmed and their oil was full. They were full of the Holy Ghost. And there were others that thought, hey, he's never coming back. Ah, it's just midweek Bible study. I'm not going to go. It's just another church service. Now I don't feel like it. I don't want to worship. I don't want to pray. And you get the concept. But can you believe it? The, the, the trumpet sounded. It was time for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the five that were slacking in the in-between started saying, hey, can we borrow some of your oil? Can I borrow your prayer life? Can I, can I borrow? They said, no. You had to get this for yourself. But I want to tell you, 
what seemed like judgment upon the five foolish was a joyous occasion for the five wise. And there's people here today that while I teach this message, man, you feel condemned. That wasn't my intent. If anything, it's to spur you into action. He's coming back. And if you're not doing right, it's time to start doing right. If you've not repented, it's time to repent. If you've not been baptized, it's time to be baptized. If you're not committed to the kingdom of God, if you're not committed in the church, it's time to get committed. If you're halfway in, halfway out, wishy-washy, it's time to eradicate that mess. Praise God. Because the other group, man, when he came back, whoo, they were partying. They were feasting. They were getting excited. Amen. There was five talent guy had ten talents given to him. Man, it's exciting. Amen. They, they started getting, amen, the blessings of the Lord. I want to tell you, when Jesus comes back, he's looking for people that are looking for him. Well, pastor, are we pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? I'm just trying not to trib out. <laughs> Praise God. I'm pan-trib. That's the only pan I am. Pan-trib. <laughs> just hope it pans out. Praise God. I just, I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Acts 1-8 trip. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. The verse before that, he said, you will not know the times of the season which the Father's put his own power. It's not your power to know when he's coming, but it is your power to witness to people. When Jesus comes back, ARC, what's he going to find you doing? That's the real essence of the whole story. When Jesus splits the sky tonight, what's on your iPhone? What's on your iPad? What's on your Android? What's, on, what's in your home? Praise God, I'm getting real right now, and I'm done. We could, we could all go home, but how are you living? What's your commitment level? Are you just, are you just religious or are you committed to Jesus? Do you have a religion or do you have a relationship with God? Is he going to return and say, hey, you are really good, a really good religious person, but I have no clue who you are? Or did you spend every day, every night saying, hey, God, hey, man, I want to build a relationship with you. I can't wait for you to come back. I'm ready every moment, every, every hour. I'm being comforted with the words that he's coming back. Praise God. Lift up your hands one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed this corruptible shall take on incorruptible. This mortality will take on immortality. And we will all sing the song, Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus has given life and life more abundantly. He's given eternal life. And he's coming back, amen, for the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise of your return. And we are looking for that glorious appearing. And we are going to be ready, God. And, Lord, you're going to come back and find ARC. Amen. So busy in the harvest. Amen. With our eyes on the harvest and our eyes on the return of the Lord. And, God, I pray, Lord, that when you come back, there will be somebody else in these chairs that wasn't here this week. There will be somebody else in this church that wasn't saved last year. I pray, God, help us to go find somebody. 
somebody and tell them about your soon and coming return. In Jesus' name, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. God bless you. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Let's come back ready. We got outreach on Saturday if you're able to make it 11 a.m. And then Sunday we're going to have our back-to-school covering service. We're going to pray for the kids and the family, but we're going to preach to everybody. In Jesus' name, God bless you.